Hello, my name is Maurice Harker. What you're about to listen to is a clip from a live training session with either an individual or a group who are anxiously engaged in recovering their marriages. Please listen to several of the recordings in this podcast, and then, when you are ready, seriously consider attending the live weekly trainings from your home via webinar. My ability to provide enough individual and marriage therapy sessions has become very limited, so I created the marriage repair workshops so I could serve more people at a lower cost for you. So please, when you're ready, investigate your options at www.lazaruslectures.com. That's L-A-Z-A-R-U-S-L-E-C-T-U-R-E-S.com. I look forward to meeting you and to serving you well. I would love to play a part in decreasing your pain and increasing your happiness. See you soon. What we did is we had a list of about a hundred things that would be ideal to have in place before you enter season one. And then we started taking things off the list, off list. Do we really need that before we start the journey? Do you really need that before we start the journey? <clears throat> And what we carefully assessed is if you're going camping or something more severe of if you were going to cross the plains, would you put it on a required list? You must have water. Okay. Would there be some must haves? Okay. So what we try to do is we try to take everything off of this list that was not a must have. Now, let's talk about addictions first and its leftovers and residuals. Now, I got courageous a month or so ago, and I decided to attempt to watch that 1883 series. Okay? You're going to need some stomach medicines if you're going to watch that show, because there's a scene in there where these camp, what do you call them, where the trek leaders, trek trail leaders, whatever, these guys that are paid to take novices through the wilderness into Utah or Idaho or Wyoming. And before they load up the wagon, they did a medical check on everybody. And one of the guys had some kind of polio or some kind of a measles or something like that. And they had zero tolerance. The guy only had a few symptoms of it. They're like, no way. You've, we are not going anywhere with this man. But that's my dad. No. Because if we allow this on, the contamination it will bring could kill the entire wagon trip. Okay? Now, remember, there's a very scientific definition of an addiction versus a bad habit. Or a a, a needs improvement personal process. An addiction is a compromised brain due to biochemical patterns that keep his brain from functioning correctly to the point of being dangerous. Here's an easy example. What's the difference between an alcohol user and an alcohol addict? An alcohol user can stay responsible. He won't drive in a dangerous situation. He won't do make decisions that compromise the family's safety and security. An alcoholic will put himself in danger to get himself or his family hurt. So we're not talking about bad habits. We're talking about addictions. 
Okay. One of the definitions of an addiction is the behavior is dangerous to the people around them, not inconvenient. And the residuals and the leftovers are like, he doesn't have the illness anymore, but there's some on his clothes. I don't drink anymore, but I lie all the time about where I'm going. Okay. I'm not buying drugs anymore, but I won't tell my wife where I where the money's going. I'm not addicted to not telling my wife where the money's going. I'm just still thinking that way because of what's before. So, gentlemen, each one of these items is dangerous, those two in particular. So make sure you define it correctly. Now, no anger, blame, impatience, or resentment. Now, think about it in terms of being the receiver of anger, blame, impatience, and resentment. What does that do to season one? If you are in the presence of someone who's angry at you, blaming you, impatient with you, or resenting you, how long can you be in verbal intimacy when that's present? Okay? Unfortunately, those four emotions and emotions like them are the opposite of intimacy, and they will kill intimacy. Now, you can always go back, reset, and try again. All right? All right, I'm going to try again with no anger, blame, impatience, and resentment. But if you're under the impression that it can be a constructive conversation when you're sitting across from a woman who's resenting you, when you're sitting across from a woman who's angry at you, when you're sitting across from a woman who's blaming you, when you're sitting across from a woman who's impatient with you, if you can see how hard that would be for you to function with any amount of clarity of mind, what makes you think she's not going through the same thing, even if your anger, blame, impatience, and resentment are justified? I had one guy go through this list and says, oh, I'm fine. I only get frustrated because it's not on the list. That one's okay. Gentlemen, imagine sitting in a room with a woman trying to experience verbal intimacy while she's frustrated with you. Do you see why that will kill it? Okay. So everything on this list, let's go back a little bit. Okay. If she's not feeling some charity, it doesn't have to be the whole package, some charity, like I'm here, I can be long-suffering, I can be patient, I can focus on your well-being. Imagine the opposite. I was talking to a man earlier today that's in so much pain, he has no energy left to think about what his wife is going through. He has nothing to give her. So imagine you're crossing the plains, you're already starving, and someone comes up and says, I want to get in your wagon, and I want to make it harder for you, and I have nothing to offer. And you're on the verge of starving already. This takes us to the law of consecration. Okay? There is an assumption that's when you begin the journey that you're at risk of having low resources and so is she. If you have people trying to get on the wagon train and they're not bringing something to attempt to make it better, I don't care if you bring three sticks of wood, I don't care if you bring a squirrel, I don't care if you bring seven berries, I don't care if you bring seven teaspoons of water and four ounces of flour. 
when a person has the mindset of I will always bring something, I will always bring something, I will always bring something, and I will get that resource from God. But the modern American psychology approach to marriage is both people show up with needs. What's going to happen to a wagon train if both people always show up with needs that are higher than what they bring? How long before that wagon train is dead? And our culture says, just keep telling the other person your needs. Just keep telling the other person their needs. Have you not noticed, men, that you do not have unlimited resources? How many times do you want to say out loud, I don't have time to do that. I don't have the energy to do that. I don't have the wisdom to do that. I don't have the clarity. What do we do? We just assume she does? Woman, I have emotional needs. I did what the book said, and I told you about those emotional needs. When I tell you I need something, then you're supposed to pull a rabbit out of a hat and be able to give it to me. She says, okay, let's do that in reverse. I need more time from you. You can't say that because I don't have more time. I need more of your energy. Where am I supposed to get more energy? I need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. Gentlemen, many of us try to follow the wisdom of good books. And unfortunately, some of those books said, Get really clear on your needs and keep telling them to your wife until she fulfills them and lay there and die until she does. Just sit there, be empty. There's a clause somewhere that says, isn't a wife supposed to meet your needs? Isn't a wife supposed to want to meet your needs? Isn't that the purpose of having a wife? Gentlemen, I'm sorry if you got tricked into believing that the purpose of having a wife was for her to meet your needs. I'm sorry you were lied to, but that's nowhere. Nowhere in the conference talks and scriptures does it say the purpose of a wife is to meet her husband's needs. I've studied the last 50 years of general conference talks, and you will not find it. Okay? What you will find is that the man is encouraged to gather resources from God and bring things that add value to the relationship. The woman is encouraged to gather resources from the land of God and bring those resources back in hopes that it meets each other's needs. Okay, we go and we gather what we can. But if your wife says to you, the only thing I am going to eat today is buffalo and I need you to get buffalo and I will not be satisfied with anything but what's on my Love language list, okay, because I took the love language test and it said, I love buffalo. So anything you get other than buffalo doesn't count. I won't eat it, I won't like it, and I won't appreciate it. Okay, do you see how dysfunctional that would be? If you spend the whole day and you gather 17 rabbits, Two elk, okay, a big old bucket load of water. You've got a whole bunch of wood chopped up. It's all stacked up there, and you did all this work, and she says, sorry, I, I can't feel loved by you because you didn't get what I needed, and I need buffalo. Okay, 
Are you bringing a list to her that says, here's what I need from you, and if you try all day long to bring something other than that, it doesn't count? If all you do is take care of the kids, if all you do is make sure you try to live within our budget, if all you do is is take care of your mom, if all you do is fulfill your church calling, if all you do is be nice to everyone except spend time with me in the bedroom, because that's my love language, then what you did all day long doesn't count. Brethren, please, I beg of you, look for the lies and the misrepresentations in American psychology that forgot to remember that there's a God and a Satan involved in your brain. You have just finished listening to another principle that is one of many that you will find in a special class that I've put together called the Marriage Repair Workshops and the Lazarus Lectures. This is a compilation of principles that I have pulled from my years of training, study, and therapeutic experience designed to give you the tools the vision, the ideas, everything that is necessary to take a relationship that has experienced catastrophic levels of unpleasantness and falling apart and rebuild it almost as if raising it from the dead. Please follow the links and attend at least one of our marriage repair workshops so that you can get a feel for what you will learn and get your attachment to the multimedia classroom that holds videos, audios, articles from me and several other specialists that we call the Lazarus Lectures, a 40-lesson series building from one principle to another so that you can discover what is necessary to pull off a miracle in your relationship. I hope you'll find great value in this. I hope those of you who find yourselves unable to afford the thousands of dollars necessary to attend a marriage therapist, especially one that's really good and is not as available as we would like therapists to be, please Please study this material in the Lazarus Lectures and attend the Marriage Repair Workshops so that we can help you get things back to the way you want them. We'll see you then.